we continue the journey. We continue the journey of uh, exploring all that we need to know regarding maturity in Christ. And so we continue our journey on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the? Of the Spirit. And I tell you what, today we're going to look at joy. Anybody need some joy today? Amen? All right. Today we're going to explore joy as one of the fruit of the Spirit. And I must say, the Lord has been blessing me on this journey. I hope he's blessing you as well. Uh, joy. Let's bow our heads together. Let's ask for his guidance. Father, thank you so much. It's an honor and a privilege to be in your sanctuary on this, your holy Sabbath day. We are here to worship. Father, I know you have experienced the joy coming from the hearts of your people as they, as they sang, as they, as they prayed, as they give you glory. This is all, this is cherished. We have decided to honor you by putting aside all the activities of employment. So we could be here together. And so now we ask that you would, you would teach us. Speak to our hearts. Help us to understand what you would like us to know and apply today from your word. And sure enough, there are there are challenges that we all experience that we're going through even now. But despite what circumstances might come our way, I pray that you'll help us to live through those times with the joy that you have in store for us. So we invite your Holy Spirit to guide us and bless us on this journey as we open your word. Father, I give you all that I am I ask that you just speak through me and to me. May we all be blessed. May we all be changed for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. What comes to your mind when you think of joy? Happy, happy times? What comes to your mind? Joy. Family. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you. And I heard something else. Hope. When I think about fruit of the spirit, this is what comes to my mind when I open scripture. Is if God wants to pour into our lives all that we're going to need as we live in a world of sin. Amen? As we live in a body that is selfish. Are you with me? And God is saying, listen, I want to prepare my people well. And so what has God done? He has 
blessed us with this amazing power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself, before he left, you know, he made sure that he equipped us with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in what? It's a spiritual activity, and it comes from who? From God. The fruit of the Spirit is how God chooses to uh, uh, mature us in our faith. In other words, God is not only interested in forgiving humanity. You've heard me say that many times. In fact, I, I just, I got this here. Let me see if I can find it. Um, what uh, a Christian wrote, and it just, it just blessed me. Uh, this, this believer said, although the first work of the gospel in the life is cleansing from sin. Yes, it is. Remember when people would go to the temple? They'll first go to the first compartment there, the court. And that's where they will offer their what? Their sacrifice, right? And receive cleansing, elder. You're right. So that's the first part, but you know there's three parts to the sanctuary. Amen? So God doesn't want us to get stuck in the first part of being cleansed from our sins. And many people are there. That's what they're satisfied with. But the truth is, that alone does not help us to mature in Christ. Being forgiven is just a part of his salvation process. He wants to enable us to mature. And this Christian said, although the first work of the gospel in the life is cleansing from sin, this work is only the preparation for the primary purpose. It's only the preparation for the primary purpose, which is the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the life. Hallelujah. That is what God is after. Having his disciples living a life with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, he produces fruits. That's his goal. So he takes all of our selfish tendencies, right? He takes, he takes all of our anger. It's all of our addictions. And he, he knows no doctor can do this, y'all. You can't find a doctor anywhere that can do this, but he will take all of that mess, and he knows how to transform it into something that is good. I give him praise because I know what he has done in my life. I see there are things when I look back where I was. I'm not there anymore. Hallelujah. Praise to him. And I know when you do, you will see the same. Maturity is what he's after. The truth is, we mature in company others. Silence. Our maturity is tested when we're in company with others. Right? Isolation doesn't breed maturity. You know, when someone speaks to you a certain way, you're tested by it, right? Yeah. When we're treated a certain way by others, and we have to be in their company, guess what? 
affected by that. So whatever, when you think about maturing, God sees the, the process of salvation as himself working in us to change us in the presence of others. But the after is not only growing us, but that growth is seen by others. Are you with me? And when they begin to see the change, you know what they start to say? I wonder if this Christianity thing is for real. That's how the, the gospel made a profound impact in the book of Acts. I wish we as a church could get there. I, because I know the maturity that you could see in Peter's life, it wasn't there when Christ was alive, right? It's a complete different difference, but that maturity ended up in wonderful fruits. So many people came to know God because of that growth. And God is saying, listen, Garland, uh, church family, if we want to make an impact in this community, we have to grow. Therefore, we need the Holy Spirit more than ever. So if it means fasting and praying, spending time with God, asking God to make a difference in our life, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, well, do it. But we're going to talk a little bit about that some more, but um, God is interested in growing us. So joy. It's mentioned 60 times in the New Testament. So obviously, I couldn't put all the things like I, I was doing before. This is a lot. However, there's some things about joy that is mentioned uh, throughout the New Testament that we can derive some understanding of what it really is. And so today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some scriptures. We're going to read it together, and we're going to think through this together. And I hope and pray that God will just fill all of our hearts with joy. Amen. All right. Just take your Bibles in hand. And I'd like you to go to John chapter 15, which we have been journeying through. In fact, this is the text where Jesus is really working with his disciples, right? And throughout this text in John 15, just look at how many times he mentioned joy and exceeding joy. It's a part of being a disciple. So what is, what is this joy? Let's look at the first thing. Uh, what did I say? John chapter, um, does somebody have it? You want to go ahead and read it? Verse, verse 11. Verse 11. Where does this joy come from? Does it come from the world? Where, does, where is Jesus saying this joy comes from? From him, right? His joy. Listen, what this, what this world um, describes as joy, it's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about joy. Joy, biblical joy, 
has a source in Jesus Christ. If, if you would like to live this joy, you cannot turn to temporal things in life. You, you can't even turn to your spouse. You can't turn to your children. You can't turn to your employer because they employ you to say, listen, this is where I'm going to find joy. Joy is not found in nothing like that. The biblical joy has its source where? In Jesus Christ alone. I love how one man describes this. Uh, he, he, describing joy. Uh, he says, men have pursued joy in every avenue imaginable. Some have successfully found it while others have not. Perhaps it would be easier to describe where joy cannot be found. Watch this. It's not found in unbelief. Because Voltaire was an infidel of the most pronounced type. And Voltaire wrote, I wish I had never been bought, born. Can you imagine that? I wish I had never been born. One, one of the the, the most famous atheist that, 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 that been on this planet. One other person said, can't find it in pleasure. Because Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure. If anyone did, he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. So you can't find it in money. Jay Gold, the American millionaire, had plenty of that, this man said. But when dying, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. You know, Solomon felt that way too. Seeking joy in all these things. And he said, each time I came up what? Empty. He said, it's like, it's like the wind. It's like chasing the wind. It's vanity. Joy is not in none of those things. He continued, he said, it's certainly not found in positions and fame. Lord Beaconsfield uh, enjoyed more than his share of both, and he wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. Finally, you can't, found it, you can't find it in military glory. This kind of joy. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his days. Having done so, he wept in his tent before and said, there are no more worlds to conquer. It's as if worldly joy has no end. Right? The more you search for it, you can't find it. Right? In fact, it's more circumstantial. In other words, it depends on the, your circumstances. So if something bad happened, guess what? I don't have joy. But if something good happens, guess what? Oh, I'm shouting, and I'm screaming, and I'm happy, right? Happiness is not joy described in scripture. It's based on happenings, right? Joy is not based upon happenings. Because its source is not in circumstances. Its source is in who? Jesus. Jesus. 
So if you don't have Jesus, and if you don't have a relationship with him, you will not experience what true joy is. And guess what? God is, he's on the, he's, he's on the lookout, you know, he's, he's on the prowl. He's seeking to pour out this joy in anyone who will believe him. It's not exclusive to no person. It's free to all. But we have to receive it. So where does joy come from? Does it depend on our, our circumstances? it does not. All right. And in fact, in, in our text, in Galatians 5 verse 22, speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, it's of the Spirit. Right? So it comes from God himself. It doesn't come from man. But let's move on. Let's move on here. Uh, uh, let me just read this too. A true Christian is one this, this author said, a true Christian is one whose heart is not only swept and cleaned. If, if that's all that's happening in our world as a Christian, listen, you, you haven't tasted the full power of God yet. It's not just about being clean and swept and have our names written in glory. We have to live on planet Earth. Is that true? And God is saying, I am going to clean you, but I'm going to empower you so you don't do it again. Are you with me? Ah. But a true Christian is one whose heart is not only swept and cleaned, but is filled with a wonderful and mysterious way with the Holy Spirit. If and when we are able to comprehend this truth, the effect on our personal lives and subsequently on the life of the church will be immediate. Will be immediate. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus said. Let's go now to not only it's a source that comes from, the source is in God, but watch me. True joy, biblical joy, is salvific. It's grounded in salvation. Watch me. Go to Luke 15, verse 7. It comes from God. But you can clearly see it in the salvation story of God's desire to rescue man. Luke what? 15, verse 7. Can I have a reader loud and clear? There is joy in heaven when one sinner does what? Repents. Can you imagine that? Hey, you, you want to make heaven explode right now? You want to make heaven just, just break out in an inspiring way filled with joy? All you got to do is just Give your heart to Jesus Christ. Just put aside pride. Lord, you know what? I have messed up. Lord, you know what? I'm struggling with a particular weakness, and you know it. 
and I need help for it. Coming to God just as you are and, and just and asking him for help, there's no greater joy because that's what he is good at, right? He's good at, he's good at making things right. The problem is mankind is filled with pride and our necks are stiff-necked. But I often say, not more than God's neck. You want to see someone's neck who is stiff-necked? God's neck is. He has his way of dealing with stuff. And unless you come to him in all humility and confess your sins to him, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. No joy will be released. But the moment a sinner fall on their knees and say, God, be merciful unto me, for I'm a sinner. Heaven opens. Joy begins to flow. Amen? And someone here needs to do that. God may be speaking to someone right now and brought you to this place because he wants to begin that process with you. It's salvific. It's life-changing. Not just for now, but for eternity. That is true joy. Look, look, look at, look at um, uh, let me see here. Go back, you're, you're in Luke, correct? Go to chapter 10, verse 20. Luke chapter 10 and verse, let's look at that one. So repentance, we just read about repentance and how joy is so valuable to that process of repentance, giving our heart to Jesus. Look at verse 20. Luke 10, verse 20. Do I have a loud reader? One of the greatest joys in Scripture, that is to know that your name is written in heaven. So you might be struck with all kinds of circumstances, even now. Last night we were at a wake. Couldn't go all night with it, though. <laughs> I knew I had to break, right? But I want to thank all of the, our church members who were able to be out there last night as we supported Sister Yvette and her family um, who lost a loved one. Um, and even with, even with the loss of a loved one and grief, maybe the, maybe the fact of living in loneliness, or, or maybe dreams that you had for yourself that you now see it will not last. Whatever, whatever causes you pain, God is saying, listen, nevertheless, can I hear nevertheless? <laughs> nevertheless, your name is written in glory that far supersede all the circumstances we might go through today. Can you imagine living life not having the nevertheless? Think about that. Living life having no hope beyond the pain that you're going through. God is saying, listen, that's not what I have in my heart for you. 
God is saying, I have, I have abundance joy for you where, where even if you might go through trials and, and temptations, guess what? Just know that your place is secured in glory. Can you imagine that? that I hope you're beginning to understand how, how, how powerful this is and why God wants to bless us with it. I tell you, one of the joys I live with every day is just to know that if anything should happen to me in this life, my resurrection is guaranteed. Amen? Can I be joyful about that? Yes, I can. All provided by King Jesus. So I don't know what you're going through today. For some of you, it might be grief. For some of you, it might be a poor relationship. For some of you, it might be loneliness, unfulfilled dreams. For some of you, you have a great desire in your heart and it's just not materializing. Question is, did Jesus sense loneliness when he was here? Yes, he did. Remember on the cross? Matter of fact, think about the cross. The very disciples had left him, right? You talk about loneliness. They deserted him. But above that, he felt the great separation from his father. That has never occurred in eternity. And you look at Jesus. Sensing that loneliness. And yet still, Father, forgive them. Isn't that amazing? No, no, think about it. Was Jesus ever mistreated by others? They flogged him. They, they stripped him naked. And with all of that and so much more, Into your hands, I commit my life. Even with all of that, this boy knows that there's something that is, that is permanent. And he knew, he knew that after, he knew that on the third day, something was going to happen, Right? And so all that he, he, with all that he had, that's where he put his trust. That his father would take care of him. That's why Paul said in Galatians 1 verse 1, he was raised by the power of the father. He was trusting in that because that was secured. Amen? Folks, listen, folks. If we as Christians don't live this, how do we expect other folks who are not Christians going through all the issues in this world to have what we have? Why? You follow me? If, 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 all, if all they see is bickering, if all they see is fighting and striving, and no joy 
Why would I want that? The Christians, the people in the book of Acts, in the Mediterranean there, they wanted Christianity because of what they saw in the lives of those disciples. Are you with me? They wanted that. And God is saying, hey, I want to use you. I want you to be my ambassadors for joy. Amen? I want you to be my. All right, so last one. Last one. No, actually, two more. Joy in obedience. Let's look at that. We're, where do we find joy? In obedience. Let's go to our key text for the past, what, three months or more? <laughs> John 15. And let's go to verse 9. John, John uh, 15 and verse 9. Joy in obedience. John 15 and verse 9. I want us to read verse 9 all the way to verse 11. All right? All right, I'll read it. As the Father loved me, I also have what? Loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you, let me read it again. If you keep my commandments, you would abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be what? And that your joy may be? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, there is, this joy can be found in being loyal to God. Are you with me? Being loyal to God. I tell you, that's one of the sweetest things to me. And sometimes I do fail at that. And he points it out to me. All right? And then I lovingly run back to him and ask him to forgive and to help. Right? Joy in obedience. I want to tell you something, friends. Look at his life that he lived. Jesus. Complete obedience to who? To man? No. But to? Was it easy? No. I, I, I can express to the church family, and you know very well, that obedience, it's not an easy thing. It takes what? Faith. Faith and commitment to the God of heaven. And he helps us with it. Now listen, we are not keeping any commandments in order to be saved. Can I say that again? Yes. It's because we are already saved. Amen. Why we do what? We keep the commandments, correct? Yes. It, we already have favor with God. So this is why we keep the commandments, but the commandments of God, they are so good. They, they are a blessing to our lives, but the world says, no, they aren't. They are restrictive, <laughs> right? You, you, you don't really get to experience all that the world can give if you keep the commandments. And I say, listen, the world can keep the, comma the commandments of the world if they want. But I'm going to keep the commandment of God. Every time, friends, 
every time you put aside the work of the week, the labor of the week, and, and then join with God, with your family, on the Sabbath, sundown Friday, let me tell you something. There's a certain joy that God blesses us with when we do that, right? Do you know Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man? It was made for? That means it was made to be a blessing to man. Is that true? It was made to bless us. There's joy in keeping the Sabbath. It's nothing that has to do with anything legalistic. Seventh-day Adventist Christians are known Seventh-day Adventist Christians are people who love Jesus. And because of that love, we joyfully keep his commandments, every single one of them. Give it to me, let me do it. Because God has been so good to me, right? Let me do it, and when I fail, I know I can always go back to him and seek to do better. When you keep, the, when you keep his words, he fills you with joy. He, he said that right there in John 15. So the question is, are we doing that? That's the question. Are we keeping God's word? Are we generous to God? Some people aren't, you know. Some people are very generous to themselves. You know that? And God says, listen, listen when you do that, you are cutting out my generosity to you. Who wants to cut off God's generosity to them, right? I just don't want to live with my generosity. I want to live with God's generosity. And God said, listen, I give you breath and strength to go make a living. I did that. I give you health and wisdom to go and study. I gave you all of that. I'm now saying to you, I want you to prove your loyalty to me. Because I don't want your money. I don't want your money. But I have a purpose for your money. One-tenth is mine. It belongs to me. We have seven days, but one is mine. Guess what? You have billions of women in this world, but I give you only one. Are you following me? You name it. You go to a, I give you an all-you-can-eat buffet. But guess what? You can't eat every plate. So in other words, what God is saying is, you know what? I, I'm so generous to you, but I want to build something within you. I want to pour out the windows of heaven upon you. That's Bible. But I'm not going to release it. I won't do it until you express loyalty to me. So keep that tent and don't give anything to God. You'll never know what he had in store for you. So you're living with what you have. Are you with me, friends? Folks, trust God. He will take care of you. One tenth belongs to him. But some people... Also, just satisfy with that. That's all they give. But God is not satisfied with just the one-tenth. It's tithe and offering. Some people forget the offering. 
And I want to say to the church family, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Make a serious commitment to God. Even though there's no percentage attached to the offering, bless him generously, right? Just, just, just be good to God. Look how good he is to you. Fact is, when we give to God, you know what it does? It then becomes a blessing to others. And so propagate the gospel throughout the world. So again, when we are obedient to God, we experience the joy from God. Anybody want joy? You love God? Why not just do all we can for him? Amen? Amen. Amen. Finally, finally, we end with this. Joy. There's joy in the hope of eternity. Turn to John 16, verse 22. The same discourse. Nothing has changed, changed you know, even though it, it's a chapter from 15 to 16. It's the same discourse Jesus is having with his disciples on his way to Gethsemane. So John 16, verse what? 22. Do we have a reader? Read it again. Read it again. Isn't that amazing? You know, one of the things Jesus promised us, Elder Wilton, it's a promise. We don't like it, but in this world we shall have tribulation. <laughs> That's a promise, right? So some people searching for the good life, where where they'll have so much of stuff they wouldn't have to go in need, you watch. You watch. That's not the way to live. It's not the way to live. It's not to seek after the good life, but to seek after the God life. Are you with me? Because, because the God life deals with reality. And the reality is this. In this world, we're going to face it all. We're going to go through some tough things. I'm so glad Jesus told us that. And he never painted a picture of a bed of roses. Are you with me? As if becoming a Christian, everything is going to be all right. We live decades and decades and decades with some addictions. And then we come to Jesus and then all is going to be all right. You know what? Sometimes. Yes, sometimes. Instantaneously, he takes it away. But sometimes... We live with the consequences of sin. And that doesn't get taken away. Go ask David. <clears throat> a man who lived a sinful life and reaped the consequences of his actions. But because he said, God, give me a what? A pure heart, right? You know, God said, listen, this is a man after my own heart. He recognizes faults and he's willing to come to me. And David is resting in his, his place right now, wherever he was laid to rest, right? But 
there's a place prepared for him. Are you with me? The question is this, as we wrap this up today, is there a place prepared for you? Is there a place prepared for me in glory? And if there's anything that prevent that from happening right now, God is saying, I brought you to church today. I brought you to listen to this sermon today so that you can make it right. He said. And so, church family, question. Anybody desire to make it right with God today? I'm going to invite you to stand. You're watching online, and you sense that God is speaking with you and to you. And as you join us here in the sanctuary, you're all standing, recognizing that we all need to make it right with God. But we're standing too because we're saying to God, we want the joy of your salvation in our lives. We want a secured future. And from this day forward, we give you full range to do all that you could do through the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And so let's bow our heads right where you are, right where you're watching, right where you are in the sanctuary, speak to God. And talk to him about your needs. Ask him to fill you with the joy that passes Jesus. Let's pray with God. Heavenly Father, in the quietness of this time, I know you're doing a work because you're doing that work within me, so I know you're doing a work in the life of your people. We're standing today because we want to say, Father in heaven, that we need you. And we don't want nothing to be between us. So I pray in the name of Jesus that whatever is going on in all of our hearts, our lives, if it's not what you desire for us, I ask that you just bring your forgiveness in the life of every person here today. Father, bless us with a clean heart. Sweep out all the mess that we have fostered. Father, I pray that you'll, you'll, you'll just take the books in heaven and color all of our sinful ways with the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray also that 
that you would take us into that level of maturity whereby, whereby we will live by the Holy Spirit's directives and power in our hearts. So we invite the Holy Spirit to come on on the inside. Do what we cannot do. Do what we have been trying to accomplish and fail each time. Come on the inside, Father. We're standing before heaven. Because without you, we recognize we will fail. And so, Father, take full possession and, and just lead and guide and help us. And then we ask that you will fill us with a fresh anointing of the joy that comes from you. Father, may we, may we go from this place today living this joy out in our daily lives. Yes, there are times we might fail, but Father, help us not to stay down, but each time to get up by your power and press forward. Because the day is coming that we're all looking forward to when we shall see you and meet with you, Lord Jesus. And, and sit down around that table with you and enjoy you for the rest of eternity. Father, that is our hope. That is concrete. That is what we know you have in store for us. And I pray that this will sustain a joy within our lives that surpasses all temptations and circumstances. Be with those who are lonely those who are sick, those who are depressed. Be with those who are suffering from various financial uh, situations and, and various relationship situations. Father, bless all of our people today with this joy that we so much need. All purpose by Jesus on Calvary. So, Father, we pray all of this, and we pray it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let the church of the living God say, Amen. Amen.